Hello and welcome to the Confusion to Clarity podcast. This podcast is for anybody who needs that reminder that they really are capable of achieving amazing things. Each week, we will be diving deep into all things mindset, manifestation, and spirituality. Hosted by me, Natalie, a clinical hypnotherapist, psychotherapist, coach, mum, and lover of all things mindset and manifestation. When listening, I want to give you a break from reality. I'm going to share with you the tools and techniques that you need to make your goals reality so you can stop playing small. Hello and welcome back. I hope you're all well and had a wonderful week. Thank you to everybody who listened to last week's episode and for all your lovely feedback. I really appreciate it. I don't know how many of you listening have TikTok, but initially I joined for like work purposes, but like so many others, I now find myself addicted, scrolling through, watching random videos. And I'm not sure what I've ever searched, but I get some really bizarre videos come my way. Although this in fact isn't odd, I think it's more fascinating personally. But I always get videos where um, it's about children or like people talking about their children, seeing ghosts or remembering past lives and displaying psychic abilities. I was watching a video the other day and it made me think of something really spooky that happened when Nicole, my eldest daughter, had just turned four. Now, Nicole has always been like really intuitive and in fact, the first thing I ever remember with her She was about two and I woke up one night and I could hear her talking in her room and almost like giggling in her sleep. So I got up and went to check on her and I put my head around the door and she was kind of half asleep, kind of half awake, but she seemed contented enough. So I just left her and went back to bed. The next morning she woke up and she came into my room. Now Nicole spoke really well from a really young age. She was always like, really articulate. So she was telling me in detail about this man, the man with the elephant and all about this kind of in real detail. Um, and she was adamant about her story that this man with the elephant. And then I just froze because when I was younger, my great granddad, which would have been Nicole's great great granddad who passed away before she was born, He was just the loveliest man, but he always used to tell my sister and I that he had a pet elephant that lived in the loft of his house, and it was like this joke that went on for years, and he would always make us like stop and listen to see if we could hear it, and then he used to tease us, and we'd be like, oh, how did you get it up there? And he used to tell us that he used to screw its legs off. (laughs) What the fuck? But it was like this story that went on for years, and it really reminds me of my childhood, And I'm convinced that my great granddad visited her that night. Um, And actually I've had people who were psychic before tell me that my great granddad is around me. Although as a side note, when psychics say that, that people are around you, I'm always thinking like, but surely not all of the time. (laughs) Anyhow. Um, But that wasn't kind of the spookiest part. So when Nicole turned four, so a couple of years later, One day, out of the blue, she just came up to me and told me that there was a baby in my belly. Now, for anybody who's listened to previous episodes, you'll know that I went through hell and back to have my daughter Darcy. And whilst after Darcy, I knew that I would have loved to have had more children. I just didn't feel that we could go through it physically or mentally again for that matter and I felt so blessed to have two healthy children so having another baby just like really wasn't on the cards Um, but Nicole was so matter of fact and like so adamant there was this baby in my belly 
And I kind of just brushed it off when she said it and dismissed it because, um, like, at that point, Darcy had just turned one. Obviously, having another child just wasn't on the radar. Darcy wasn't the best of sleepers. So unless I'd missed a visit from the angel Gabriel, Nicole's prediction was very unlikely. Um, but anyway, a couple of weeks passed and out of the blue, Nicole said it to me again. But again, really certain and adamant, there's a baby in your belly. So this time I said to her, okay, well, if there's a baby in my belly, then when will it be born? And she was just sort of like calmly went, mm, October or November. And like I said, she was really switched on as a child. So she was just, yeah, like that's October or November. So this was in the January. Anyway, fast forward a couple of weeks, my period was late. And I was like, hmm, okay, that's odd. And yeah, found out I was pregnant. I was so stunned and just even more so when I had a scan and they told me that my due date was going to be either late October, but then Blake was actually born late and ended up being born in in the November. So she was right. There was a baby in my belly and it was born in the November, but technically due originally in the October. So then I was like, right, Nicole, here's a list of numbers from one to 59. You need to pick six of them. I didn't actually do that, but maybe I should have done. <laughs> so from spooky events, it led me on to thinking about like manifesting and things that I've manifested over the years. So this week, I thought I would share my two biggest manifestations and how I manifest for me. So the biggest thing I've ever manifested was actually my daughter, Darcy. So when we lost our son Brody, I have spoken in previous episodes, I was a complete wreck mentally and physically and I was just this awful low point. But it's actually at that point that I came across the book The Secret. I'm sure many of you listening have heard of it and have read it, but if you haven't, go back and read it. Um, it's a really interesting book. But when I first picked up the book, I was initially really sceptical and even as I started reading it, I did remain so but anyway I worked my way through the book and if you've read the book you'll know the kind of like exercises that the author suggests doing like manifesting a cup of coffee and practicing gratitude and I was really surprised when those things that I was doing were working and I was actually starting to feel like better and more optimistic in myself so when we felt ready to try again for another baby I thought right of the secret I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna do this I'm gonna ask believe receive so in true me style <laughs> I'm always a bit go big or go home so I was like right I'm gonna apply this principle to another baby now I know for like some people it might sound really crazy um but to agree I probably am so <laughs> there we are um but from that moment I created a vision in my head so I created this vision in my head of myself my husband, David, and Nicole, the, the three of us were sitting on a hospital bed with me holding this healthy baby. And well, I fell pregnant really quickly um, after after we lost Brody, um, which was just, I feel so blessed. And, you know, just a kind of sign out here, there might be people that think that was kind of really quick to start trying again. But I think for anybody who's trying to conceive after a loss, it's so personal and everybody's different. But for us, it was a case of if we left it too long, certainly for me, I just didn't think I could ever go through it again. Um, so Brody, my son, had a condition called hydrocephalus. Now, this is normally a secondary condition. So 
normally it's um, associated with like spina bifida or Down syndrome or other um, chromosomal abnormalities. But in Brody's case, he, he had no other abnormalities. Like he was literally perfect bar this hydrocephalus. It was, it's so rare. I think it's like one in 250,000 chance. Um, I think it was even rarer because I was quite young. I think I was only, what, like 27, I think. Um, yeah, I was 27. So really, really rare. So when we um, were kind of wanting to try again, or when we found out we were pregnant, we had two options and maybe things are different now, but this is what, 12 years ago, 13 years ago this year, um, the options we basically had were full pregnant and then we could have either what's called a CVS um, where they take a sample from, I think it's a fluid around the baby um, and they can test to see if there's any um, abnormalities or we could opt for extra scans because the CVS carries um, a risk of miscarriage, we decided not to go for that because before I had Brody, I actually had a miscarriage. So for me, I just didn't want to risk that. Um, so the other option was to have scanning, but the problem with that was they wouldn't be able to tell us definitively if this new baby had hydrocephalus until um, 16 weeks gestation. Apparently that's the earliest time they can be sure that it doesn't have it. So we opted for extra scanning, but it was such a tense time because, I mean, I was so lucky, you know, the NHS were amazing and we had scans pretty much every two weeks. So they, the care was incredible, um, but it was such a tense time because obviously every scan you're like, oh, you know, are they going to notice something? And oh, it was just awful. It was a really, really tense time. But one of the ways I got around that was to keep that vision of the four of us, you know, that of us sitting on this bed with the baby in my arms. And I really did focus on that. Like when the anxiety came in, I really tried to force those feelings away with feelings of gratitude and excitement of holding this baby and how I was going to feel. And luckily, with each scan that we had, everything looked good. So as we near, neared our due date, um, it was kind of, it was a really strange one because I went into labour and was booked into our local hospital. So went into labour, I was overdue and I phoned them up and they, although they were like, yeah, you need to come in, um, we don't actually have any space for you. I was like, okay, <laughs> what do you suggest I do? Um, and so they called around three other hospitals and nowhere had any space. So at this point I started to empathise with Mary and Joseph. Um, and eventually they did find space um, at a hospital and it was about 50 minutes away from where I lived. And the weirdest thing was this hospital was the hospital that I had Brody at. Um, and I don't know why, for some reason, when they kind of said I was going there, I just felt calmer. I just was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is where I was me I meant to be having this baby. It was so surreal. Um, because the hospital was so far away, and after I had Nicole, there were some complications. Um, I They said, like, you'll need to call an ambulance because they need to obviously monitor you on the journey down there because they could kind of tell that I was things were progressing quite quickly. <laughs> Side note, this is so funny. So they're like, you're going to have to call for an ambulance. So the phone was on speakerphone. And um, Dave, my husband, was next to me. And he's like, right, you need to call for an ambulance. So he's like, you need to hang up and 
ring them now so I phoned an ambulance and they're like okay right an ambulance is on its way and all this time my contractions were really ramping up they're really close together at one point I did think like is she going to be born at home and they said we need to speak to your husband and they were like right okay if this happens or that happens you need to be ready to deliver the baby oh my god blood drained from Dave's face like he was thinking like I can't do this I can't deliver a baby <laughs> I've never seen him look so panic-stricken he was literally waiting in the street he had like my hospital bag waiting in the street for this ambulance to like for them to like get there because he yeah he did not want to deliver the baby um he's really squeamish so anyway ambulance came he didn't have to deliver the baby and we made it to the hospital once we got there, she was born pretty quickly after. And the weirdest thing was, so we ended up in the same hospital. We ended up in the same room that I'd had Brody in exactly 11 months to the day. Like even the time of night, it was so surreal. Um, it was yeah, just the weirdest set of circumstances. So you know, I was there in this hospital room, same day of the week. It was a Sunday evening, 11 months to the day. Yeah, just looking out of the same view, but this time with a baby. It was just, it was really, really surreal. But the next day, David had to go home and then come back and get me again because we didn't have to have a car there because we'd gone by ambulance. So he brought Nicole back up with him and we were kind of showing her the baby. And the midwife came in in amongst all the kind of commotion and she was like, oh, would you like me to take a picture of you? Um, so she just took the camera, took a couple of pictures Anyway, when we eventually got home and kind of settled back in, I looked at the, the pictures on the camera. And as I was scrolling through, I just froze because the picture the midwife had taken was the exact picture that I had created in my mind all those months ago. Like, I was just speechless. I just sat there and was like, oh my goodness. Yes, it's a really special photo. And yeah, so that's how I manifested Darcy. Um, but when it comes to manifesting, there are some people that say there are there are more steps. But for me, and this is just my take on it, everybody's different. But for me, the kind of the way the secret works with the ask, believe, receive, that's always worked for me. So kind of this is my take on it. So the first step, ask. I for me is about getting clear on what it is I'm looking to manifest. So what are the details and why do I want to manifest this? Because for example, we might say, oh, well, I want to manifest money. Okay. But it's not actually the money you want to manifest. If you look deeper into that, it's actually what the money is going to do for you, how you're going to feel when you have it. You know, you might want the money to buy your own home. So you have a place to call yours. Therefore, you might need to manifest say 50,000 pounds for a deposit. So it's about getting specific. Maybe it might be £10,000 to pay off your credit card because actually, if you were to pay that off, if you had the money to do so, it would save you X amount every month, you'd feel financially free, it wouldn't be weighing you down anymore. But just a caveat here, getting clear on what you want and how you want it, um, how you want to feel, sorry, isn't about deciding where it's going to come from and trying to control it. We do need to allow the how to come about on its own. It's not about micromanaging the situation. So getting clear and then just kind of allowing it to come into your life. 
And about getting clear, I always think of it in terms of if you went to a restaurant, if you went into a restaurant and you sat down at the table and you're given your menu, the waiter comes over, you wouldn't turn to them and say, oh, I'd like some food, please. They'd look at you like you're an idiot. You would specify, well, I'd like steak and I'd like this with it and that. And you'd get very clear in your mind what it is that you're looking to order. And I think it is the same when it comes to manifesting, it's getting clear what it is that you want, how you want to feel. And there are so many different manifestation techniques out there, and especially if you have social media, you'll probably see lots of different methods popping up on your timeline, like the 369 method, the cut method. I mean, I think, honestly, I've tried them all. Um, I really have. Um, But this is kind of going back, this is what works for me. Those techniques personally haven't, but maybe they will for you. The next part for me is believe and this is a really big part because believing is activating the feeling that I want to feel when that manifestation happens, the excitement, the gratitude. So for this I use visualisation techniques um, and as you all know if you've listened to my previous episodes I say it every week, your mind doesn't know the difference between imagination and reality. So when you are thinking about what you want you're creating those pat- you're creating that pattern in your mind you're visualizing it happening and therefore you're more likely to see it in your reality so for visualization i do this um before i get up in the morning that kind of moment where your alarm's gone off you haven't got out of bed yet and you're kind of like half awake half asleep and then before i fall to sleep in the evening i just run through what i'm manifesting as if what i want is already here and mine i also use meditation too Meditation is such a powerful tool for for meditating. (laughs) Meditation is a powerful tool for manifesting even, is what I was trying to say there. But part of the belief process is also believing you are worthy of having what it is you desire. So here it's about highlighting, identifying and releasing limiting beliefs. And this is such a key part of manifesting your goals and desires. Because if you have a subconscious limiting belief, it's really going to slow down or even halt your manifestation. For example, you might be consciously saying, I want to manifest a million pounds, it would be amazing. And you might well be sat there visualizing having a million pounds and what that might look and feel like. But if deep down you have a negative limiting belief around money, for example, I don't know, If you had a million pounds, you wouldn't know how to handle it. You'd feel guilty. You'd feel like you'd have to give it all away um, because maybe that's experiences you've had with money before. Or maybe you're trying to manifest a new partner, but you've still got trauma from previous relationships and it's manifesting and you're self-sabotaging every time a potential relationship comes on the scene. It's These things aren't just, they're not going to happen because your subconscious is trying to protect you, it's there to keep you safe. So if it is picking up on something that it feels isn't safe, then it's going to intervene and try and get you out of that situation, which obviously is great if you're faced with a real danger, but not so good when it comes to you know, pushing away what you truly want and desire. If you are you know, manifesting something and you're feeling resistance or you're not seeing it come to fruition, then there may well be a limiting belief that you have. And if this is something that I come across, I find journaling so powerful, um, either to help identify what's holding me back or for releasing it. 
However, with some things, some limiting beliefs, they can be so deeply ingrained that journaling just doesn't allow you to go deep enough to either identify them or certainly release them. Um, and this is where like working with a therapist comes in and I work with so many clients, helping them to release things that are holding them back subconsciously. And I've shared myself, I've had many hypnotherapy sessions myself to work on my limiting beliefs, my negative thoughts and feelings. I'm just like the hugest advocate for it. Not just because I do it, genuinely, it works. And the final step is receive. So you've got clear on the specifics of what you're manifesting. You've identified any limiting beliefs and you've released them. So it's now a case of like, okay, well, where's my manifestation? When it comes to receiving, I feel there are two parts. So the first part is taking inspired action. We can't just sit there and wait for a sum of money just to land in our bank accounts or for the man of our dreams just to walk through the door. So some people might describe this stage as like acting as if, but for me, it's about taking inspired action. So making small changes that allow me to be ready for when what I'm trying to manifest comes to fruition. So uh, for example of this, when I was moving house, moving house was a really big deal for us. And I've mentioned in previous episodes that we had the neighbor from hell. Side note, I'm always really conscious when I talk about my life that I probably sound like a total drama queen, but honestly, some of the events and things I've been through, like even an EastEnders script writer would stop and go, yeah, that's a bit too far-fetched even for us. But it is what it is. Maybe one day I'll write a book. <laughs> Although I'm not sure it'd be that interesting. Um, but back to the house move. When we were like in a position to move and it was kind of something that we could make happen, we got really clear on what this new house is going to be like in terms of like the kind of physicalities that like we wanted it to have four bedrooms um we weren't so specific about the area but I wanted it to be detached because I didn't want any neighbors nearby in fact if I had my way I would have lived in probably the middle of a field somewhere um I do know one of my neighbors listens to my podcast so if you're listening no offense um at all we have amazing neighbors now and I'm lucky to have them and I'm grateful that we don't live in the middle of a field but one of the first things we did was kind of even before we'd sold the house was to start decluttering and clearing the house out. So acting as if kind of showing the universe like we're serious, we want to move. So we cleared out the loft, we cleared out the garage. Um, and we were actually really lucky because our house sold really quickly. And once we had accepted the offer, I then went and bought moving boxes and started boxing things up and storing them in the garage. And my husband was a bit like, we're going to be living in an empty shell before long. Like, you know, we've only just sold the house. We haven't actually found a house ourselves yet and we're living like with nothing around us. Um, but it was quite satisfying living so like minimalistic. <laughs> um, but in my head, it was like, done deal. We're moving house. This is going to go through. It's going to go through quickly. I want to make sure we're ready. One of the things I did do, which probably sounds a bit crazy, um, was to make a mortgage offer letter. Now, just to clarify, I didn't do anything with this letter. It wasn't fraudulent. It was just an acting as if um, tool. But anybody who's bought a house before and needed a mortgage knows that like it's a bit of a waiting game and it's a crucial step in the moving process You know, to know your, your kind of offer is out. So we'd had the letter in principle, uh, but we were waiting for the actual offer letter to come through. So I got creative. <laughs> 
and I made a, like a mock-up of a, an offer letter. I was quite proud of it. Um, when Dave got home actually from work, I showed him it and he's like, wow, that, that came through quick. And then as he was scanning to the bottom of the letter, he was like, he saw it signed by a Mr. A Universe. And he was like, oh, for goodness sake. Um, <laughs> he kind of just humours me. But when the actual letter came, which was like a week later, I kid you not, it was literally a carbon copy of the letter that I had written. So there you go. Um, but one thing I want to highlight here, and it's definitely something that I'm prone to falling into a trap of doing, and that is manic manifesting, which is where when you're trying to manifest something, you become totally obsessed with your manifestation. When is it going to happen? You know, how is it going to happen? What if this? What if that? inevitably just pushing what you want further away and getting really stressed in the process. So if there is something big that I'm working on, I really, really have to make sure that I'm being consistent with my mindset routine and keeping that balance. And again, I've spoken in previous episodes about masculine and feminine energy and the importance of balancing them. So if you are manifesting, you know, be mindful of that, your mindset routine, keeping those energies balanced so that you don't fall into the trap of that manic obsessive manifesting and the second part of receiving for me is practicing gratitude it is one of the most powerful things you can do when you are trying to manifest so I use scripting for this so writing out kind of what I'm wanting to happen um, in the in the present tense as if it's happening right now giving thanks for it happening and also I really make sure that I'm practicing gratitude in general, so being grateful for all the current blessings that I have, the things I'm already lucky enough to have. Because when we're in that kind of state of gratitude and we're you know aware of what we are lucky to already have, it is creating the foundation for for more. It's allowing in more abundance, it's allowing you to receive more. So gratitude really is a key key part. So just to kind of recap that, asking, getting clear on what it is you want, how you want to feel. Believing, as I said, identifying those limiting beliefs, releasing blocks, trusting that it's happening, it's on its way. And then receiving. So like I said, practicing gratitude and trusting what you want is yours, it's happening, it's on its way to you. So that's how I manifest and I've used that technique for so many different things and going back just to clarify something that I pointed out I feel one of the biggest stumbling blocks when it comes to manifesting for not seeing things coming into into fruition is the limiting beliefs I think that is one of the key things is to identify and release those blocks and beliefs because if there is something in your subconscious that is going it's not safe to have that it's not going to happen so yeah that's something that I'm always super mindful of myself But if you have different techniques for manifestation or there's a top tip that you have, please share it with me. You can comment below in the the comments below the show notes or connect with me on social media. All my details are linked below in the show notes. And it's a topic I just love talking about. I love reading about it. In fact, one of my favorite manifestation books, if you've not read it or heard of it, is Manifest by Roxy Nafusi. It's a great book and it goes into even more detail on the subjects I've covered in this podcast. So I'd really recommend that if you're looking for a book suggestion. 
So that's the end of this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, and like I said, if you want to connect with me, all my details are below. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with somebody else you feel may enjoy it too. And subscribe and download the podcast. I'd really appreciate it. So I hope you all have a wonderful week.